Welcome back to Reply Guys. The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I am Kate Willard. And I'm Julia Clare. And it's just been, you know, it's been a really bad week for me personally. I think I just, um, I think I just lost a friend by telling him that I thought that uh, there was something attractive about the Unabomber in the right light. I'm, I told him I was not going to pursue it, but right. Yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not a monster. You know, no. you're not going to pursue it. It's yeah. just you know, you can it's like appreciating a piece of art, you know? You doesn't mean that you condone it necessarily, but you yeah. can still find it beautiful. We have to separate the art from the artist. And you know, Ted Kaczynski has a, a certain uh, je ne sais quoi about him. We can all agree. Well, I mean, it's like it's kind of a perfect intersection. I to me like a disheveled man in the woods in a little cabin just mm -hmm. going off that's about, your that's your government that is that is kind of my wheelhouse that's your that's your catnip <laughs> yeah uh, but i would some not would say yeah i mean i i just you know i have no plans to pursue ted kaczynski so yeah. well good uh well that's positive and so we're starting off the episode on a high note is yeah. that kate is not planning on pursuing ted kaczynski <laughs> Um, I, unfortunately it's, uh, there have, there's just been a lot of, there's been a lot of bad stuff happening, if you can believe it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been pretty fucked up. It's, um, I, so where do we want to start? We want to start with the baby formula shortage? I think we should, because that is, it's one of the most kind of pressing stories of the day. So I think that we should start with that. Yeah, I mean, to me, this one is like, I feel like the right has been, you know, hammering on it and they've started to go full racist, which we'll also talk about here. But uh, to me, I don't like I haven't it, I mean, it is, has been in The New York Times, but it, I certainly like liberal media, I would not say has kind of like latched on to this story in the way that the right wing media has. But I think mm -hmm. it's a very big deal that people cannot feed their babies or having a very hard time feeding their babies um yeah it's, it's so funny i was just on the phone with my mom and uh my cousin is, has a five-month-old and she was like if you see any of any of this formula just if you could buy some uh for her and then i'll i'll uh i'll send it to her and i was like oh my god this is i mean i don't think i will find any because uh, New York is so de densely populated, and I'm sure that uh, everywhere is is wiped. But yeah, I mean, the reason why the or the the angle at which conservative media is approaching this is like this. You know, it's kind of their 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 stupid song and dance that they always use, which is like communist bread lines and food well, shortages and well, I'm like yeah so they hey, were, this is capitalism yeah I mean so they, they were doing that um but recently and sorry if you're sorry I'm going by I'm in Texas I'm podcasting from Texas um the war zone itself yeah so <laughs> yeah the, that's the, the ambulances you hear that is uh that's actually people who were trying to use an Instagram filter, which has mm -hmm. been banned in Texas. That's right. Yeah, didn't work out. No abortions, no Instagram filters. Yeah, um, but uh, so, you know, Greg Abbott um, has been hammering on the fact that um, formula has been delivered to the border and, um, you know, detention centers for undocumented people and he released a joint statement with bp today about it so they're really hammering on um you know oh your food is going to these illegal babies and which is obviously disgusting it's fascism i mean if you don't 
feed babies, they don't stay they alive. Die. So what he's yeah. arguing for is infanticide. But all that aside, it is pretty funny to uh, choose as your rhetorical enemy babies. Mm-hmm. Tiny little guys. Tiny so little small. guys. So cute. So cute. And yeah. also, you know, on the heels of protect the unborn, uh, which has been, you know, their rallying cry for so long. What about the born? Yeah, it's um. well, it's just like it's, you know, it's typical. It's this has always been kind of the the crux of of their hypocrisy, hypocrisy, not hypocrisy hypocrisy is that they you know once the children are born they just don't give a shit um and yeah they don't not even just at the border i've seen so much of that like that like no undocumented immigrants uh living in the united states should receive a baby formula and it's just gross and again coming on the heels of the abortion ban i think that this is like a pretty good predictor of what is to come yeah it's really bad um i have found the white house's response to be wholly insufficient i mean mm-hmm. they said that they're having you know the fda is working on it they are um jen Psaki recommended yesterday that parents if they're having trouble getting formula talk to their doctors I think that this is a national emergency and because if you think about it, I mean, it is an emergency if you can't feed your baby, but it's also an emergency. Like, I mean, there's nothing that people are going to remember politically more than the experience of not being able to feed their baby. Yes. Parents will lift a car off their baby. Like people Mm -hmm. get superhuman abilities. I mean, like the, the instinct to protect your child is so primal yeah and i mean there's just i mean like biden in my opinion should be on tv every single day should be invoking the defense production act to produce formula asap i mean this should be in my opinion a a national emergency and you know if i were him i would throw the head of abbott this company that you know originally a lot of the the a lot of the supply crisis is because um there was a formula recalled for um killing two babies um and it was because you know apparently there was something um with their machinery that they did not fix that caused toxicity in the formula and it, it then had to be recalled and um it's it's looking like it was around the time they needed to do stock buybacks. And so, you know, I'd be launching like a, a full full scale investigation investigation and um, throwing this CEO in jail, really whether or not he did something, but most likely he did. Yeah. But I mean, to, to me, this is like, you couldn't, if you're the president of the United States, I don't think that there's, there's almost no way to go too hard on this. This is so, Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, it's feed, feeding your baby, you know, there's, mm-hmm. and it's like, obviously, you know, there's, you know, a bunch of goons out here with the world just breastfeed takes, but yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was just going to say, those are our, those should be our reply guys of the week. All the of breastfeed the, guys. uh, I was saying this on Twitter. I just didn't think it was possible for men to prove that they know less about how women's bodies work. <laughs> Yeah, they're really into it. They are proposing a whole lot of solutions uh, that don't exist. And we commend them for that, uh, for their their tireless, their tireless fight uh, to misinform the public based on a hunch about how women's bodies work. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's like... uh, I think that there has been I mean we this this actually this in the in the whole like you know birthing industrial complex this uh, there is like a big thing about breastfeed there are a lot of people who are very like all in on on breastfeeding and who are really like shame mothers who can't breastfeed for whatever reason but there are some women who just can't their milk supply is insufficient or they get mastitis or which is like incredibly painful and prevents you from being able to 
breastfeed. Or they have to work. Right. It's like, and this is a lot of women on uh, who have had children are, you know, we're, we're sharing their experiences being like, breastfeeding is not free. Yeah. It is an incredible amount of time and effort. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, it's been so obvious that breastfeeding has, I mean, that, uh, you know, baby formula has, it's saved like entire generations of children. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so important. And also, you know, if you've already stopped breastfeeding, let's say you were breastfeeding and you, you've stopped, you can't, the milk your, dries up. Your milk supply off. dries up. Yeah. yeah. It's not like you can just be like, oh, there's a formula. Well, let's turn it on again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not possible. Sorry, fellas. I know that that's what you were hoping for, but it just doesn't work like that. Um, yeah. Um, Although I do know, speaking of fellas, I, I do know, I do know a man in the, in the Bay Area who had a breastfeeding fetish and was seeing someone who had been breastfeeding for five years. She also had this fetish. I was going to say not to kink shame, but I don't know. I think it's coming. I, I think it's one. just coming out as I don't I care. I don't shamer. care. I'm too tired. I, yeah. I we, can, we can only, <laughs> we can only do so much every episode. Okay. Yeah. We can, we're trying to, trying to give give you information about about the news uh and you know sometimes and we're also trying to give you information about the weird guys on the internet and the weird guys in in life and and the weird ladies and everyone in between in betwixt yeah weird people of all genders weird people of all genders um but you know sometimes a little king shaming slips through the cracks weird folks with an x weird folks I hate uh, folks with an X. I really do. Sorry. It's so stupid. It's so it's, stupid. Folks is a gender neutral term. It is. Yeah, it's already. <laughs> yeah. It's already there. You don't need the X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. But this, I mean, to me, I think that. So I was in, the, I was in a lift yesterday and I was talking to this woman from Texas. And um, she was talking and you know, like she, you know, she was saying stuff that I basically agreed with at first. She was like, yeah, Trump's an asshole and Biden is pathetic. And I'm like, yep, we're totally on the same page about all that. But then she's like, yeah, I'm going to vote for Trump though, because, you know, the economy was much better under Trump. And yeah, I'd like, I did my best to try to talk to her about why I think that mm-hmm. that's bad and dangerous, but kind of reminded me of like, the fact that like to whatever degree people who are on Twitter and paying attention to politics is some kind of hobby, like think that other people are not paying attention. Like most people are paying attention even less than that. And our an economy, the economy and inflation are, are very common ways of deciding who to vote for. And, um, I, and what people mean by the economy you know, varies. Uh, but I think that most people are using it to mean how easy it is for them and the people that they love to get a job and what prices are like. Yeah. I mean, the inflation crisis is, yeah. uh, is huge because, yeah. but what, but historically when most, there are a lot of people who are not even, you know, when they were like, Oh, the, when a lot of people say the economy was better under Trump, say that there had been no inflation, uh, crisis and it it's like mainstream media is constantly reporting on the stock market yeah and obviously the stock market does affect so much but the people who are most helped by the stock market are not your average you know voters like the the woman you you were speaking to but that like the constant rallying cry of like the it's a it's a bull economy or whatever is like does sink in to people um like it's like you know it's people still think that the economy was so good under reagan yeah yeah it's it's so uh, stupid and and bad but you know i think with this the baby i think with this baby formula shortage you know just the, the inflation the prices right now um the supply chain issues 
I think that a lot of people think it's going pretty badly. And I also oh, think yeah. so. No, but they're they're I mean, I right. Think Republicans will solve it, but No, I no, think- no. They're they're absolutely right. My yeah. my only point was that like the the usual metric of the economy uh is the stock market. Yeah. Um, I I I I, compl- I agree with everything you said. I was just guest ending. Um, yeah, no, 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 totally. I totally I, think- I totally agree. And and Biden really if he if he if if he doesn't want to, for Dems to get absolutely fucking slaughtered yeah. in November, then he better be pulling out all the stops. Because as you said, this is what people will rem- people viscerally will remember not being able to feed their baby. Yeah. Will, like, or just was, even having a hard time, even if they do yeah. get formula eventually, just the fact that they had to go to five stores first. You well, know? I was thinking about this because I was I was uh, seeing some people talking about like having to stretch baby formula to make it. Yeah. Which um, is they say is that's very recommended not to do that. Which is obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But it's how many times have we seen this with insulin? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is. Yeah, it's just, I mean, everything is so broken and I just don't want to be like, I don't, I so badly don't want to give in to the doom of it all. But um, I'm really, I am hoping uh, that the Biden administration kind of uh, really kicks it into high gear and and does something to to provide a solution to to what's going on right now. The only the only way to not go like there's only one path to not going full Duma right now, which I actually think that more leftists need to to get on board with, which is that, you know, there is um, there's a lot of traction in the labor movement. And there's also a friendly NLRB, which is actually like naming, shaming, fining the general counsel of the NLRB. I think her name is Jennifer Russo. But I mean, they're more active like. I'm not going to say that Biden is, you know, he's he's not perfect on on unions. Like he needs to fucking revoke Amazon's federal contracts. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and but the, the thing is, is he's more pro union than any president that we've had in a long time. And there it's, there are some good people working at the NLRB and there is a lot of momentum behind workers. And work. there are a lot of really good antitrust people working yeah. in Biden's um, not Department of Labor, Department of um I think the the commerce department. I'm I'm not sure. I can't. I can't you probably know it. more about that than I, I don't know. know. But but it's, like yeah, yeah, it is. There in, in those two prongs. Um, I mean, it's so funny because we think of like there was one time because uh, I used to work at Columbia, and people tell the story of like uh, Columbia's union was on strike uh, because the university wouldn't come to the table. Uh, to renegotiate their contract uh, and they wanted to, they just wanted a really unreasonable uh, they wanted to really shortchange the union as they love to do even though they have a 10 billion dollar endowment and Obama was slated to come speak and then he said I won't cross a picket line and then they immediately settled with yeah. the union and that was like the big union victory of the Obama administration like the the fact that like I don't know the fact that like Chris Small was invited to the White House and I th- I don't know I th- and that the NLRB is like so stacked with people who are really truly interested in holding uh corporations accountable for union busting and things like that I think it's a great step forward. More and more Starbucks are unionizing everywhere. There was uh, the first Starbucks in California just unionized. Um, There's a movement to unionize Star- uh, Target, which is going to be huge. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's going to be. I I I mean, I th- I want to say that it's like the biggest the biggest turn in uh, in the labor movement in in my lifetime. But I have truly only been paying attention to these sorts of things for like 15 years so. in your lifetime yes in in my lifetime too i think i um i mean yeah it, definitely in 
30 some odd years for sure. I don't know exactly. Carter I mean, pu was... public opinion on unions has majorly shifted in my lifetime. Yeah, I've been I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. Um, can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast, but we were talking about how, you know, the Democratic Party and liberals weaponize wokeness, you know, in a way that is very performative a lot of the time oh yeah you and i were talking about this but, about about uh weaponizing it for good weaponizing it for good i think we need to make unions woke i think we need to make people afraid that it is racist and sexist to not support unions and they know it it is it is yeah <laughs> that's the correct analysis of the situation but i think that yeah i think we got to convince um I think we have to to shame the libs into supporting the labor movement. You know? I I actually I actually think that I think that a lot of I think that actually a lot of the the biggest gains that we've had with being very pro union is with libs. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's there was a. I remember in the the Gimlet union. I mean, to me, that was kind of a turning point because. I remember um, with the Reply All, how they mm -hmm. were doing that um, episode on Bon Appetit and the racism oh, yeah. there. And they got like canceled for uh, not practicing what they preach in terms of trying to stonewall the union from the inside. Yeah. And that, that was the first time I think I've seen people get canceled for not supporting a union. And I was like, hmm, here we go. This is Path doing cancel culture for good yeah <laughs> but anyway i think you know to me it's like if you're a leftist and you're very upset about the way that things are going right now in my mind the biggest difference that you could make would be to get a job at a place where there's some union traction and salt um kate wants everyone to be a salt and i love well, it i mean because it's just a really concrete way to make it difference. yeah i can't i mean yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna do it i can't i i i'm not able to do that right now but i just mean it's a lot of work and yeah. um and i have nothing but the utmost respect for people who do it yeah i mean it's just like i think that like all of these terrible terrible things that are happening um in the amount of <sighs> I mean, just just the amount to which people are seeing that our political will does not matter almost whatsoever at this point. Um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, I mean, a, a strong labor movement would change that like it really would, you know, in addition to creating better, much better conditions and pay in the workplace. I've in the past week, I've had to explain a lot of American government uh structure and minutia to my canadian boyfriend and wow does it sound stupid when you have to say a lot of it out loud <laughs> also the phrase my canadian boyfriend I, i've met makes him, so it sound he's like he's not real he also makes it sounds like he's not real but he is real he lives here he is just from canada but he lives in america i swear he's real but yeah no it's um no, last night he asked me to explain the electoral college to him, and I was like, I'm I'm not gonna be able to do that. It's so stupid. I mean, I think it's like, but he didn't even understand. Like he and I understand. You know, he's he lived most of his life in in a a different country, and uh, yeah. But even explaining like why the Senate has so much, even though the Senate is like half of the bicameral legislature, um like why they are such a problematic body and why they have such outsized say um it was re-radicalizing me all over again yeah but what i was going to say about the 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 movement in the labor union is that we have come such a long way since uh 2016 when hillary clinton wanted howard schultz to be her secretary of labor starbucks ceo howard schultz yeah famously anti-union um, so I, I mean, yeah, I think that we're, you know, continue, we have, there's so much inflation. The federal minimum wage is still $7 and 25 cents. So disgusting. Uh, people are just, people are desperate and they know that the, uh, you know, organizing gets the goods. So anyways, that's a nice, nice little button on that. Um, yeah. And there was a hearing for 
Medicare for all in the Senate. Um, yes. And it was, you know, I mean, God bless Bernie and the work that he's still doing to push him for a, at this point, I, you know, I didn't see like a ton of people talking about it. And I think because people correctly have assessed that that's not something that is <laughs> the Senate is going to do at all, even though it's a great idea and it would save lots of money and get everyone the healthcare they need. But I mean, it's like, imagine if there were a robust labor movement and something mm -hmm. like that happened, you know, I mean, the, if the, the Democratic Party, if they need if they absolutely needed unions and unions were working together, at least in a somewhat united way um, to support something like Medicare for all, which was which is a despite what you've heard, you know, Biden say um, about like unions not supporting Medicare for all, many unions supported Medicare for all. And mm -hmm. it's Medicare for all is a would be a great thing for workers because it's just one less way that your boss has any power over you. Mm -hmm. Like the easier it is to tell your boss to go fuck himself, <laughs> the, the more power you have as a worker, you know? And I'll tell you what, having, you know, I've been in not you know not like physical labor unions but i've been in uh i've been a, a union member for the last f five years uh in two different uh under two different organizations and most of your bargaining goes towards bargaining your health care plan yes yes so taking that out uh would free up so much more talking time and bargaining time for things like wages and PTO and all the other sorts of things, uh, you know, um, pension plans. I know that this isn't going to happen. This is a little bit of a divergence, but this would be like an incredible moment to push for nationalizing certain industries like baby formula in particular. Like, I mean, it's just, the profit motive, as we see with things like, you know, this baby formula shortage, like it's not, it's actually, you know, say what you will about communist breadlines. It's nothing compared to exactly. capitalists trying to save a little bit of money by uh, not repairing the dilapidated equipment that poisons the babies. And I mean, there's just, I don't know. There, there, I think that like, if we could just get some things, some essential things under government control, that would be, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I did want to talk about, um, another very, uh, sad thing that happened in the past week, which was, uh, the murder of an, Al Jazeera journalist in the West Bank, um, Shireen Abu Akleh, uh, was like a very long time, well-respected journalist for Al Jazeera. She was wearing a journalist vest in the West Bank and she was shot by uh, Israeli militants. And more horrifying than that, her funeral was, her funeral procession was um, earlier today. And uh, Israeli security forces beat the funeral procession, procession, which momentarily caused the the people in the procession carrying her casket to lose control of the casket. And the, there's video of it. It's and it's so horrible. Absolutely horrifying. The depths of depravity that these people have knows no bounds. Um and um yeah it's just a really sad day journalists again she was wearing a vest journalists are a in you know in wartime they are a protected class um and it's just it's really um ignited further ignited um a lot of the tensions in uh in the west bank i think that um yeah, I saw someone post on Twitter, a Palestinian woman that 
she was like basically the equivalent level of fame as like Jake Tapper or Anderson Cooper. And so, I mean, this is, I mean, not that the level of fame matters, but just in terms of thinking about how this affects people, you know, like no, but also with such a huge public profile was just in cold blood murdered for no reason. And, you know, there have been Al Jazeera and CNN, different organizations have been posting reels of her work over the years. And she is, I mean, she's been, she's been a journalist for decades. Uh, She is like, a again, an incredibly well-respected, long-time journalist. And it's just really horrifying. And then seeing what happened at her funeral procession today was even worse (sighs) yeah it's really it's so sad it's so terrible um i hope that more people in the united states are waking up to the apartheid that Mm -hmm. is happening and how the u.s is i don't i don't even want to say enabling because it's it's too strong a word right like the u.s is completely funding this is providing Mm -hmm. the weapons and you know it's uh, you know, and people keep making the, I think bad faith actors keep making the point that it's anti-Semitic to criticize this violence. And no, it's absolutely not. There are many, many, many uh, progressive Jewish people that absolutely oppose this violence and apartheid, and it's not anti-Semitic. I met, uh, I actually met, um, a couple last week who met at uh, working at a nonprofit. It wasn't the ADL, but it was something like the ADL. And they're both Jewish and they were clearly have like extremely strong time ties to their Jewish faith. And they are like practicing Jews. And they, I, I was like a little worried that we were going to get into some like pro Israel territory. It was quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, they are pretty, you know, and that's completely anecdotal, obviously, but they, there are so many American Jews I know who were even raised in a very like kind of pro-Israel, um, environment who just, you know, you, you, when you can see it with your own eyes, what's going on, they don't. They don't adhere to that anymore. Katie Halper, who's been on the show before, she she often talks about this issue on her show and has some really good guests. And I mm-hmm. I, I do want to to plug that because you know Katie is Jewish and she has a lot of Jewish guests who oppose apartheid. And I think it's just has had you know Norm Finkelstein and and a lot of other people on the show that mm-hmm. are really been studying this issue for a long time and um yeah it's just it's super sad and it's insanely terrible and Mm -hmm. it is it is i i mean rashida Tlaib and a few and ilhan omar and there's a few other members of congress that are speaking out about this but uh, on the whole it is i think it's still pretty taboo don't you think so Oh, I think, yeah, I mean, in terms of our congressional uh, representatives. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and in the Democratic, in the Democratic Party, like certainly in the Republican Party, it is absolutely prohibited. Yeah. um, From having any sort of criticism of Israel. But um, in the Republican Party, I mean, in the Democratic Party, rather, uh, it is definitely still taboo. Um, so speaking of taboos, are we down to talk about a little bit about this $40 billion for mostly weapons? Yeah. So every single member of every single Democrat voted for it, including Cory Bush, uh, Cory Bush put out a statement and there was a, a part of it that she said, additionally, at $40 billion, this is an extraordinary amount of military assistance. And side note, not Cory Bush's, but this is this is more than even cost to, to have troops on the ground in Afghanistan. 
Um, so this is an extraordinary amount of military assistance, a large percentage of which will go directly to private defense contractors. In the last year alone, the United States will have provided Ukraine with more military aid than any country in the last two decades, and twice as much military assistance as the yearly cost of war in Afghanistan. Oh, she said that, I didn't mean to say that. Even when American troops were on the ground, the sheer size of the package given an already inflated Pentagon budget should not go without critique. I remain concerned about the increased risk of direct war and the potential for direct military confrontation. Um, and, you know, it's pretty weak sauce in a way that she said all that and, you know, still voted for it. But I can understand this uh, taking a vote on like voting against this, these weapons. I mean, you know, you'd be alone and it would be a career ending move. So, I mean, it's an incredible. Yeah. Topic. Yeah. It's so I was thinking about this as well. Like what, you know, we all we do uh, all to a certain extent play politics from the sidelines um and i wonder what it would i don't know i just like it's uh, the amount of money basically means that we are buying <laughs> ukraine yes um, and it's very it's so but i don't know what I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like voting, voting no on it. Yes. I obviously, I, I completely object to the amount of money being spent. But at the same time, I'm just like, I don't like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I watch, you know, when you watch what's going on and what, russian the russian military is doing i don't know not but i don't but i also don't want i don't want the u.s to be world police and i never have and but i don't know i it's all bad like it just it really does seem like a rock in a hard place situation so i think i have i, I have a somewhat different opinion on this and i think one thing that people Okay, one thing that people do not realize is the war in Ukraine um, has kind of explicitly, and even in the way that elected officials are talking about it, um, is uh, has um, is going into something called mission creep. Um, basically, that the goals have gone from, you know, helping Ukrainians defend themselves to us actually trying to weaken and to, to weaken Russia. And this mm. is something that Dan Crenshaw, the iPatch guy, admitted to on Twitter today. Um, the, the way that people are, are starting to talk about this is um, defeating Russia. Uh, it, you know, and there was this piece in the New York Times. Um, it was by Tom Stevenson. Um, it's called America and its allies really want to bleed Russia. They really shouldn't. And I'll, I'll just read a little bit from it. Um, the war in Ukraine has entered a new phase. It is no secret that the initial invasion went badly for Russia, expecting easy victories. The Russian army inflicted terrible destruction, especially in its selling, selling, shelling of cities, but for the most part failed to take territory outside of the southeast of the country. Ukrainian resistance was fierce. After six weeks of war, undermanned Russian forces were made to retreat from Kiev and its suburbs. Um, and then he so basically he, he describes what has happened militarily. Um, but uh, I think a key point in this article um, is the strategic shift. Whereas once the primary Western objective was to defend against the invasion, it has become the permanent strategic attrition of Russia. The outline of the new policy began to emerge on April 13th when the Pentagon called a convocation of the eight biggest American arms companies to prepare arms transfers on a grand scale. The pledge, the result was the pledge made by President Biden on April 28th that the US would provide four times as much military aid to Ukraine as it had already supplied since the beginning of the conflict. 
a promise made good by a proposed aid package for Ukraine worth 38, 39.8 billion. And here's, I think, the most interesting point that he talks about. Um, and this, I have seen, you know, <laughs> echoed in, in the rhetoric from our electeds um, as things get escalated. Um, when I was in Ukraine, this is Tom Stevenson again. When I was in Ukraine during the first weeks of the war, even staunch Ukrainian nationalists expressed views far more pragmatic than those that are routine in America now. Talk of neutral status for Ukraine and internationally monitored plebiscites in Donetsk and Luhansk has been jettisoned in favor of bombast and grandstanding. Um, I think that it's really clear and dangerous that I think, you know, essentially we are fighting a, a proxy war at this mm. point. Um, and uh, it's, you know, I, I, it's, it's not kind to like we're the U.S. never has benevolent motivations. Like we're never like, right. oh, we just oh, I know that. People. Yeah. This is Dan Crenshaw today. I found his tweet. There was a, a user called Bungus Chig uh <laughs> that that said to uh dan krenja um yeah you, you sound off about that stuff but then you vote yes on the 40 billion to ukraine dan Crenshaw was originally talking about uh fentanyl and Crenshaw says yeah because investing in the destruction of our adversary's military without losing a single american troop strikes me as a good idea you should feel the same and, and this is, I think, what is going on at this point. And it's not like we're, this, this is not benevolent humanitarian. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Look, I, you know, I don't disagree with anything that you've said. Um, and yeah, it's, it's such an immense uh, sum of money and it does um, really get at my goat that they can always find money for military aid or for the defense budget or for the Pentagon what what have you and never for anything else um, and but there are like I was just thinking about Madison Cawthorn's tweet about like imagine if we spent 40 billion dollars on veterans and then everyone pointed out you voted against increasing benefits for veterans <laughs> he's such a fucking idiot he's such an idiot um like I, yeah i mean the republican party is obviously wholly irredeemable and he is uh at the he, like he is an absolute ghoul but like i yeah i it really does frustrate me i guess i'm too i don't know sometimes i just feel like i'm too easily this is why i shouldn't be a politician maybe because i'm just too my heartstrings are too easily pulled by uh, people with nefarious intentions. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the thing that's really taboo and the thing that almost that no elected official can say, I mean, Ilhan Omar so far, I think, has been the bravest of anybody. Mm -hmm. um, she asked, you know, she expressed concern, I think, in late March, like, hey, you know, we need we I, I'm a little concerned that we don't we don't know what is going to happen to these weapons, right? Because we are flooding Ukraine with weapons and it, it's not like we're going to ask for the weapons right. back, you know, right. and uh, there's, you know, as much as the, as much as Putin's BS about, you know, we're denazifying Ukraine is totally fucking made up. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that Ukraine doesn't actually have uh, a far right, problem i'm not saying that's everyone or even you know the majority of people or anything but i'm just saying like you know it's when people like that get weapons you know or maybe are or going to to sell the weapons you know we're not like it's not like a library card where right. like they have to check the weapons back in no and it's um it's really dangerous but mm -hmm. you know, no one can say that no one except for people you know in the military who are, who are saying i think in many cases that like the goal here should be peace this is really a a devastating and a horrible situation for 
you know, Ukrainian civilians and, and even the people in Russia that are, are drafted in this into this war that probably, you know, do not want to be fighting it in many, many, many cases. It's it's an absolute tragedy. And I I really I, I will clearly say that I think that Biden's goal should be to to do everything possible to achieve peace rather than mm -hmm. fighting a, a proxy war. And that is extremely taboo, um, is seen as Putin apologia. And uh, that's, I think that's really unfortunate and dangerous because, um, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, what, you know, the complete destruction of the country of Ukraine, but also because I don't think that people clearly realize like how easily this could escalate to nuclear war like Russia has all of these and this is me talking about something I don't know that much about but I have heard from people who know way more about it um that you know Russia has like in their military doctrine um a bunch of situations where they like automatically use nuclear weapons and it's not like mm. this thing that goes through you know debate and strategy they have like contingencies of like if this happens we use a nuclear weapon and you know right now like we have uh, the the people like leaking to the press that U.S. is intelligent, U.S. intelligence is aiding the Ukrainian military and just th this could go this. It is not even particularly unlikely that this could veer into extremely dangerous territory. And and Ukraine famously gave up its nukes. Yeah. So those nukes would have to any return fire would have to come from uh another country that probably would be us um but yeah bad stuff all around yeah it's i i i find it to be like i find the discourse around this to be really <sighs> i mean i see there's there's even less opposition to this than there was to the iraq war and we are talking about something that could be the potential ends of life on earth and I, I just want to say that i find that deeply disconcerting yeah. you know that there's not really a even a strong opposition on the left it's really only the like some some of the the maga chuds are opposing it but the, i mean they're bad faith actors it's not like yeah, they have well, be, because yeah, yeah. Be, they're opposing it because they like the maga chuds support russia in some way <laughs> Yeah, and well, and that's that's a thing too. Is like, if you say like, "Hey, you know, I actually think that we should stop this influx of weapons and work towards peace instead." I, you know, and you have to remember, like, the Ukrainian people, like, the idea that there's no people in Ukraine that support peace. Well, that can't be true because Zelensky was affected, elected um, by a very large margin on on a peace platform like mm -hmm. he was like i am going to establish peace with russia and and ukrainian people were tired of living with war even then before this war started when it was just contained to the donbas region right and i do i mean i harp on this a lot and i know that uh that some people think that this is kind of a, a secondary point but it really would be uh, helpful if we didn't have effectively no State Department. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, people, people think that that's just kind of a, like a normie uh, wonky response to this, but this is ideally what State Departments are for. Um, <laughs> Although I, I am, yes, I, I agree with you. And there is something kind of funny about that in this particular case, which is the lady that was uh, the, the State Department person in Ukraine is like on tape, like there's a taped phone call. Her name was Vicky Newland, like picking out uh, who she wants to be. Uh, uh, the the leaders of Ukraine in um, like in a very like she sounds like she's like a draft she's she's drafting picks which is why people think that uh, you know some people think that Euromaidan was a was a coup so I mean the, the State Department is also doing a lot of interfering to what extent we will not know for years I mean but 
they have so like it it really can't be overstated how much of a husk the state department is yes it's like it's, it's really so bad. there i mean we still have so many um you know what are we two years into the almost two years into the biden administration and we have there are still so many state department posts that have been unfilled and uh, that was the same problem under Trump's uh, really obviously it was really heightened under Trump he completely shellacked the whole department but it's been going on for 40 years and um, everybody knows that if you know if you start firing diplomats you have to buy more bullets so yeah I I understand that people think that I'm a normie for talking about this but I uh, don't care and I if we had a more robust State Department, the thing is, is that so many times when I get into conversations with fellow leftists about this, um, I uh, basically end up arguing against a kind of like a fictitious narrative or a hypothetical narrative. Like we in our lifetimes have not known what a robust State Department looks like. We There hasn't really been, the, the State Department has been so hollowed out that and all of our money goes to defense all of our money goes to the pentagon so and routinely there are cuts to the state department every basically like every budget cycle they're further winnowing away at uh the state department's budget I mean, to me, it seems like your point there is that the U.S. should be investing in diplomacy rather than war and that diplomacy should be a priority. Like, yeah, the State Department, (laughs) the State Department does not always do that. And there would have to be some accountability in a way that is not always present. Like the State Department has. you know, has gotten involved in, it's not like the CIA, you know, but it's the State Department has right. done some shady shit. But I think what you mean is like that the U.S. should be should be prioritizing diplomacy, uh, diplomacy over, war. And, and, and yeah. war, over war in all instances. And I completely agree with that. Um, I think that it's f- fucked up that if you say that the U.S. should be prioritizing um, diplomacy over war at this point, that it's you know, basically it's a, it's a cancelable statement. Yeah. I just don't like, and I completely agree about oversight, obviously, but in order to have oversight, you actually have to hire more people in the state department. That's the whole thing. That's, that's what I not be neocons. Right. And so that's, so that's what I, that's what I keep running up against. It's like, well, there's no oversight. Yeah. Well, nobody works there. There's nobody there. I, I don't know. Anyways, um, so great week. It's yeah. It's it's yeah. It's <laughs> things are good. Bad. <laughs> things are bad. But thanks everybody for continuing to listen. Thanks for the feedback you gave us um, on our special abortion episode. We hated recording it. Uh, <laughs> And I am continued to be absolutely sick about it. Um, actually, the woman in the couple who I referenced, the one uh, who, the ones who I was talking about, uh, who were like met at a kind of an ADL adjacent organization, she actually she talked to unrelated. It, it was after the 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 decision was leaked. She talked about her uh, ectopic pregnancy. Oh my gosh! Uh, that she had in between her two. She has two children. She had an ectopic pregnancy in between the two of them. She didn't even, but she didn't even bring it up in the context of what was happening. She just like was talking about her family and told us about that. And I was like, yeah, she'd be dead uh, if. Um, if she lived in a state where, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm really worried about what's coming down the pike, to be totally honest, because I know that Republicans are going to run on that. I know that they're going to run on taking back the Senate so that they can, I mean, Mitch McConnell said that a national abortion ban is possible. 
Of course they're going to do that. Why wouldn't they do that? I know. So, and, but he also said, he also said that he wouldn't kill the filibuster to do it, which I don't think is true. Of I think course he he's going to kill he's the, kill uh, the filibuster. Uh, everything um, that these people say, that any way that they promise to moderate themselves is obviously a lie. Right. <laughs> no matter um, what the white guys on Twitter tell you. <laughs> yeah. And also, if, he also said that if the if Republicans win back the Senate, then he would not confirm another Supreme Court justice for the Biden administration, possibly for six years. Um, so I, I'm really scared. I'm scared about what it's what's coming down the pike in terms of like people in these, you know, fervently anti-choice states people being prosecuted for getting abortions in other states. Um, and if you think that that's not possible, it's literally from the play, it's from the playbook of the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. Um, it's true. It's just like, that's, they, there are ways that states can enact their laws across state lines and also just like you know people using people's search histories on their computer to prosecute it's all just like not only is all of this abortion limitation all these abortion limitations and restrictions these bans not only are they like huge hipaa violations they are also privacy violations but it just doesn't seem to matter yeah, it's I'm in Texas right now and it's, you know, it's wild because the people here who are in cities like Austin and Houston, I mean, like they don't support this shit at all. It, it's horrible that it's happening to them. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot the the suburbs and the exurbs and the rural areas are pretty right wing, as is to be expected. And places with where an extractive industry is uh at the helm you know oil and, and fossil fuels are are big in texas that's where a lot of people work but uh man i just feel so bad for people who live here they can't even do hot instagram filters Rest i think of, so that know. texas can do more racial profiling who knows they yeah. said that it's they said that it's so that that can't happen and i'm like no that's that's not why you're doing it. I don't it. ever believe Greg Abbott is one of the most evil people in this entire yeah. country. When when Greg Abbott says that something is so that, that people can't do racism, I'm like, well, that's not no, that's not something you believe. <laughs> um, yeah. I anyway, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um we are uh, very appreciative of your support listening if you could leave us you know some reviews tell please, your friends please please leave us reviews tell on, your friends and loved ones about our pod on apple Podcasts. thank you for continuing to support us throw us a few bucks on patreon if you can um it would really help should us we, out should we do some, should we try some um let's try some sign-offs okay i got some all right okay. cool i'm ready reply guys the leftist feminist pe podcast that is not backed by Peter Thiel. Right. Reply Guys receives no funding from CIA cutouts. Right. <laughs> Reply Guys uh, does not support uh, JD Vance. You know? Right. Reply Guys has never had Steve Bannon on our show. Reply Guys um, is is not uh, being paid by the U.S. intelligence services to spread war propaganda in a way that's palatable to leftists. Um, reply, guys. Will not and have not defended the police uh, for uh, alleged intrusions on private property. Reply, guys. Nobody here is a gamer. And you know what? And on that note, we're yeah. out. We're out, baby. <laughs> okay, bye. No gamers here. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Reply Guys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians, with an additional episode uploaded each week. 
The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. walking that ribbon of highway I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley this land was made for you and me this land is your land